this weekend following the Nativity of Jesus, we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family, the family of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And God came to us through a family. He did not exempt himself on how he came to this world. He came just like all of us by way of a family. That is why the whole Christmas season is a time to celebrate family in a special way. We always look forward to family gatherings and uh, dinners and meals, except this year it's a little bit different because of the pandemic, and we can't really gather just like before because of the restrictions. And for many of us, the season of the birth of Christ finds its true joy by celebrating it with those whom we love, especially our families. And as we gaze on the family of Jesus, of Mary and Joseph, we see as what the collect or the opening prayer for today's feast says. We gaze at them as the shining example of the Holy Family that we may imitate them in practicing the virtues of family life and in the bonds of charity. Those were the exact words that we heard today in the opening prayer or the collect. That the family of Jesus is truly a paragon or model of every family. And from the description of the feast itself, holy family, we are reminded that the sublime vocation of every family is holiness. And holiness begins with an encounter with Jesus. The family of Mary and Joseph and Jesus is holy precisely because Jesus is there. And that's what makes every family holy, when Christ is at the center of every relationship in the family. And this encounter does not just happen accidentally. It is facilitated by the parents as the heads of the family. And this is what we mean when we say that the family is a domestic church. And the, and the goal of holiness in the family, the sanctity or the sanctification of family members, all, of course, begins in the sanctification of marriage, the sanctification of the love between the husband and the wife. And this is not an easy thing to, to accomplish. Even with the best intentions, our humanity sometimes win over us, and sometimes we have to endure for so long in order for us to realize that. It's not always like a one-shot deal. It's a continuous work. And sometimes that sanctification cannot be realized even at the beginning, but sometimes it's seen in its fullness towards the end. This just reminds me of, of an experience uh, a few weeks ago. I got a call about an emergency baptism for someone who was diagnosed with terminal illness. And 
his wife had been telling me that he has been thinking about becoming a Catholic. I think it was just my first year here. My first during my first year here, we were talking about it already, uh, but because of life and situations, uh, it got delayed and delayed. And uh, until a few weeks ago, when I got a call and when she said, "I think he's ready, Father," and I was able to talk to him a little bit before, before. Um, before the celebration of the sacraments of initiation. And uh, when he said that he had, he, he had always wanted to enter into the faith, uh, but because of his illness, uh, lingering illness, it was just so difficult for him to, to, to do all the requirements. And then I said, well, you know, uh, there's always an exemption in cases like you can't do things uh, the way we're supposed to do. The church supplies what is lacking. You don't have to, to worry about that. But I truly believe that he was received into the faith finally after years and years and years of prayer of his wife. His wife was, has always been very faithful, coming here every weekend and praying for, for that day to happen and they have been married for more than 40 years. And, they have, and, they have, and, and I'm sure that even though they were not sharing the faith at the beginning, her own testimony to the faith, the way she lived her own life, the way she sanctified her own family, was a huge factor for him to finally say yes to the faith. It was a beautiful ceremony, just me, the children, and, and the spouse. And uh, she actually stood as the godparent also for her husband. And it was very appropriate because uh, she was hugely instrumental in, in introducing him to, to the faith. That's what I mean when, when I say that the sanctification of the family is not a one-shot deal. It's sometimes it's realized towards the end, but the most important thing is not the perfection of it, but rather the faithfulness in that, the faithfulness, the faithfulness to the truth, to, to the gospel. And eventually, it's not our own work, but it's the Holy Spirit works that sanctifies the relationship. The family is where we first encounter God's love, where we are introduced to the faith. I know that sometimes there are exemptions in there in difficult situations, but ideally it is where we are introduced to the faith, where we get to know God for the very first time, and where faith is nurtured and joyfully lived and modeled by the parents. And I have said this before that the crucial role of the parents as the first and the primordial teachers of the faith cannot be supplanted even by the best catechists, even by the best pastor, even by the best bishop, or even by the best pope. This role is unique to the parents. The question that we can ponder upon in, uh, as we reflect on this Feast of the Holy Family is, how are we as parents, as teachers of the faith, 
by what we say and do. Holiness in the family also presupposes an active prayer life. Holiness is impossible apart from prayer. And a holy life is a praying life. A holy family is a praying family. And this begins with the parents as pillars of prayers in the family. But I know that each one of us is in our own unique spiritual situation or plane. We have our own unique journey. But as husband and wives, you know, there is a special calling to unity in the family. And it starts in unity in praying. You know, it is when we come to the Lord, knowing what's really in the depths of our own hearts, we clamor to God what's in there. That sanctification also, sanctification also happens right there because it's not just one asking God for something or thanking God for something, but rather it becomes the desire of the other as well. We always say, I, g- growing up uh, in the television, there's, uh, on Sundays, uh, there is the, what's the program? The Family Crusade. Um, it's a rosary program. And at the bottom of the screen, there's always this, line that says in there, the family that prays together stays together. That's, there's always something that's, that's stuck into my mind growing up right there on the screen. A family that prays together stays together. How central prayer is in our family is the Eucharist as the most and the highest prayer, the source and summit for my family's way of life. One thing that caught my attention as I was reflecting on the collect today is that there is a reference to the Holy Family as the shining example for practicing the bonds of charity. The bonds of charity. We heard it so many times too that charity begins at home. And charity in its truest form is love in action. And the basic form of familial love or charity is presence. That's the basic form of love, presence. But presence also that transcends physical presence because we know that nowadays family members live all over the place. You know, I'm, my family were five boys most of my siblings live over overseas. Some of them live in different parts of the world. I mean, the last time that we were all together as family, one family was for the funeral of my dad, and that was almost 17 years ago. So that was the only time, the last time that I could recall that all of us are in one roof. So, but the presence that I'm talking about is not just the physical presence, presence because we have our own individual lives, but rather the connection in the heart. And thanks be to God, nowadays we have modern technology. You know, um, before 
long-distance calls are so expensive. <laughs> you know, nowadays you can just get to your iPhone and then you can do f- f- FaceTime or iMessage and all of that, and, uh, and it's free. So there is really no, no reason not to even connect with family members. And, uh, and this presence is, is very, very important. I, I was reading a, an article, and I've shared this a year ago too, that, that in the American society, we are facing an epidemic of loneliness. A lot more people are feeling lonely and isolated, and, and researchers are saying that loneliness and isolation can be as damaging to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. <laughs> That's what scientists and researchers said. Loneliness, the effects of loneliness and social isolation is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Could you imagine that? And that, I don't know how they measure that, but that's what, that's what scientists say. And according to the U.S. Health Resource and Service Administration, they said that two in five Americans report that they sometimes or always feel their social relationships are not meaningful. And one in five say they feel lonely or socially isolated. You know, and this has been exacerbated. Is that the way you say it in English? This has, okay, this has been heightened. Let's, let's just use that word. This has been, you know, heightened by the pandemic. You know, my, my, my heart breaks uh, during the early periods of the pandemic when we can't even go to our nursing homes, you know, when or to our, our facilities. And uh, b- before the pandemic, s- some of them were already isolated and like, was heightened like five times more during this time. I was actually talking to, to one uh, parishioner who was just, who was just um, admitted to a rehab uh, because, of, because of what she underwent lately and and when i got there i thought i could enter already because things are a little bit better i should say but uh they wouldn't let me and they said oh father you can just see her through the window and uh, i was just there in the window and uh, and uh, and then i was talking to her by phone and she was in the window and i was in the other side but she lives in the second floor, so, you know, it's like she could see me from the parking lot, and she was there, and we were talking in the phone. And, and, and she was talking with me that, you know, Father, the biggest, the, the most difficult part of this, she said, is not my rehab, but it's that I don't know anyone here, and my family could not visit me. And, uh, and then she said, Oh, thank you for coming by, you know, and, uh, and even seeing a familiar face from the parking lot <laughs> it makes a huge difference, makes a huge difference. It's, I mean, the presence, I mean, 
we, we don't have perfect families. I don't have a perfect family. You know, my, okay, I, I should be very careful because my mom is watching my mass right now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, uh, okay, my phone is not really buzzing right now. But, but we can be present to one another even in the most imperfect way. Even in the most imperfect way, we can be present. We don't have to always agree with one another. I don't agree with them all the time, and they don't agree with me. Uh, you know, sometimes, or many times, they don't. Uh, but I tell them, you know, if you need me, whatever it is, uh, just have the confidence. And I think it's just the assurance and to, and to get beyond that, that wall or that that, that separation is very important for the presence to be reinforced. In the end, the presence is the most important thing, regardless of where we are on things, regardless of where we are with the things that we think are important. The, um, the most ironic thing right now is that as we advance in technological connectivity, the more we are sliding down to isolation and loneliness. You know, they, the, the cases of depression, even among teens, too, are, are so high this time. But there's greater connectivity. But it's all virtual. There's less and less face-to-face -face interaction. And, and, and this is something that uh, parents have to pay very close attention to. You know, I was... In my family, you know, at one time I visited for, for a vacation, and I was just amazed, like, really young, and they were already playing with their iPads. You know, I was like, when I was young, I was like outside playing in the mud <laughs> with, with other... I, I know it's a whole different generation, but something is lost when, when we are just by ourselves, just by ourselves. Uh, that, that social interaction is very, very, very important. Do, how connected am I to my family? Do I have a meaningful and transformative presence in their lives? Other family members that I need to exert extra effort to improve my relationships with them. The holy family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph is not a reality remote or removed from us. Even though Jesus is there in the Holy Family, the Holy Family was not perfect. It was only Mary who was conceived without sin, not Joseph. Poor Joseph, you know, it's like being with two perfectly pe perfect people. And Joseph is right there, you know, sorry, I was not conceived without original sin. <laughs> you know, no wonder they lost Jesus too for three days. <laughs> It's not a perfect family. But what made them perfect is not having flaws. What made them perfect is their faithfulness. Their faithfulness to one another. Their faithfulness to the commitment. Let us ask for, for the grace, gazing our eyes on the Holy Family, that we may also stay faithful. And that in our faithfulness, we also enter into the sanctification of our own relationships.